Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you today. We honor you every day. Lord, we surrender ourselves, our whole soul, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, help us to receive through the Holy Spirit, the helper, the guarantor of all truth, what you would like us to learn today about your power choice. Lord, we thank you for your word because your word settles everything. Lord, we thank you for the changes that we're all experiencing for this year. And Lord, we glorify you and lift you up as you take us through these changes and you take us through understanding your ways and your thoughts because we recognize that they are higher than ours. So Lord, we invite you into this, this lesson today and we let it be your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I'll tell you, this is a year of change. How many people are feeling it? Who was that? Mamie. Mamie did some serious worship this afternoon. Praise God, because that's how I'm going to open up. It is about worship, because when we hit that point, as I talked this morning in the real estate class, we get fat, and then we have to grow tall. How many people grew up, and they got chubby, and then they all of a sudden grew a couple inches, right, and got stretched out? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? You never grew out and then up. How about with your kids? Yes, right. You see it. Thank you, Kenrick. You can put it on the very end one there. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how, actually, you can keep it on the floor. Hold, wait, hold it up for a sec. All right, praise the Lord. It's so important that we understand that as we are growing in the elevation of Christ in our life, we go through seasons. We go through seasons of heavy worship. Then we go through seasons of a lot of word, and you hope that you can always keep it a balance. Yeah. But I will tell you, and this is just from my couple rotations that I've been through, is every time there is a measure of increase, because everybody knows that kingdom chart that we have, advancing the kingdom of God, the first thing where you know something's going on, you know it in your where? Your spirit. The second thing God works on is he starts working in the functions of your soul. That is when you are dealing with something in the soul, that is the first element you know you're on a process of change, a doorway of change, because that's going to be one of the things that happens. The doorway of change happens in the soul, and something of you has to leave so you can obtain the promise God has for you at whatever measure. There's measures within measures. In whatever measure you're ready to receive, God already has you receiving the 100% for that rotation. But it says some will only experience what? 30, some 60, some 100% as they're going through the changes. So we want to, I mean, we want 100% because in the 100%, we find the fullness of love, the fullness of joy. In his fullness, we just experience the wholeness of life, which is the abundant life Christ has for us. We are, isn't this awesome? We're already sitting here and we already have eternal life. Isn't that awesome? Something could happen to any of us tomorrow. And the beautiful thing is, we, I know where Teresa's going. I know where Kenrick's going. I know where Kimmy's going. I know where Todd is going. I know where Mamie's going. Mamie, are you in the house? There you go. Okay, Mamie. <laughs> we know where everybody is going. And so that's a good thing. So we're here to try to fulfill what God has destined for our life here on earth. And the only way to do that is 
we've got to work out that salvation and go from one glorious body to the next glorious body. And the neat thing is, is the last thing we were talking about this last night at Sheila's house, we have to really hit the point where we know how it all works. And I'm going to give you a revelation that the Lord had given me after Dr. Lee's church. Um, the Lord had shown me that as we're being transformed through the suffering, you know, when we partake in the suffering of Christ, we are truly learning his understanding. And Todd, go ahead and put up 1 Timothy 1.16 up for me. 1 Timothy 1.16. This is an awesome verse that actually Robin had sent it to me. So I, I thank Robin for this verse. It's a verse that I know, but it's a verse that really affected her this week. And, um, but I wanted to open up with it because it really does remind us that he is transforming us. I like it. Even Jean remind me because we're going through construction too all the time. And so when we're ready to push into the next thing, we've got to start. Worship is what presses you into that next level of construction. In worship is when you hear the hammer and the nails and the saws putting together a form to get to another measure of this. All right. So think about this. We all haven't arrived to this, this width. When construction happening, it's pressing out and it's building the right forms so things don't cave in. You know, I noticed this on this chart. On this chart, Do you see how the darkness tries to cave in? It tries to cave in as Jesus is sanctifying the soul and he's setting up what he is so we can receive the promises that God's had for us. But remember, first you know it in your spirit, then your soul has to be renewed, and then what happens? Now you actually have to go through, I like it, the dial. This is like, a, this is like doesn't that look like on the front of a bank, the dial? Shh, shh, shh. Yes. Okay? When you are going through the rest of God in the rest, now that dial is working. Because in the rest, he's taking care of the sufferer. He's working the perfected. He's establishing. He's strengthening. So he can settle you into receiving the promise. When you hit settled, boom, promises are coming right in. And that's why I said it's like a rubber band. When you hit the settled part, you hit settled, boom, the rubber band snaps. And you get your what? Promise. But then you start right back. Then you start back at the, there's, there's always a promise. That means we have to go through the cycle so many times to receive the promises of God because when he gives you something, there is no sorrow. And when there is no sorrow, you have no, you have received 100% of that promise. But it's, it's awesome. It never ends up until the time we go up to heaven. This is part of the process of life. We look for the level of comfort to say, hey, I'm staying on that level and I don't want to move. But you know it's time for the movement when everybody's getting what? You don't, you're not comfortable anymore at that level anymore. You're not comfortable. And I know me this year, I do know that there's a major change because I am actually hitting my not comfortable point. It was already said to me that I would have to go into a deeper rest. Well, a deeper rest means pressing into, I'm fat, right? That means I'm full. But now I've got to construct up to get to an other level to pull something else down. Do you know that? Isn't it awesome? He says we have to press up to pull down and extract out of the atmosphere what God has for you in this time. And it's not something I could have obtained years ago. It's not something I can obtain later. It's, it's the time for now. Faith is now as he's processing and growing us. And it takes faith to start going through that dial, the awareness of grace, and then to receive that. So 
I opened up with this for real estate worship, but it's awesome. I'm going to bring it up for today as I'm going to tell you about being transformed through suffering and the, in the suffering, we gain our understanding. And it even says in Proverbs, it says those who are happy understand. Do you know what I mean? I'm happy now, even though I know I have to do what? Come into another press up, you know, and you can say you do all this, you do all, but it doesn't, when it's his time for something to move, it's got to what? Move, right? And you feel it. It says, but I obtained mercy for the reason that in me as the foremost of sinners. Now I thought that, but I obtained mercy for the reason that in me, in me is lowercase, not Christ, me. That means you. That means all of us, right? Me. We actually obtain mercy for a reason. All right. He already has a divine reason why. He says his mercy endures forever, doesn't he? He says, uh, come boldly to the throne of grace so that you can obtain what? Mercy and grace at a time of what? In a time of need. Do you know what I mean? We obtain mercy in a time of need, but for a reason. It says the reason is for as foremost, just reminding us of what? Of sinners, Jesus Christ might show forth and display all his perfect long suffering and patience for an example to encourage those who would thereafter believe on him for the gaining of eternal life. Now, let me break this down. So first, we obtain mercy for a reason. That's the first line. The second is he reminds us that we are what? Sinners. We are all born into sin. We all have a measure of the dark residue. Something of that has to come out in the transition of your mercy. When you are calling on mercy to the Lord, it's because something's about to change in you. And you know it because there's no other way to go but to move forward. All right. But Jesus Christ, the reason is so Jesus Christ might show forth and display all his perfect long suffering. That means anytime we have that exchange, when we call into mercy and we get changed and something leaves us, it's because Jesus already did what? Long suffered for us. He already sat on a cross, got beaten to death, was crucified, drained of his blood. Do you get what I'm saying? He already experienced a true, his perfect long suffering gave us a way to call unto mercy. Isn't that amazing? So we could what? Go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. There is a time that we have to pull on that mercy and we don't know God makes the circumstance and happen. How do you know it's happening? You are not happy with something. You are miserable with something. And I'm going to tell you, when it gets out there that you're miserable, what starts coming? Counterfeits. Everything you're complaining about, what is going to make that happy comes right to you. So right when you hit that point of, but it says, who are you going to cry to? It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. So now we have to enter into that period of the grace, being aware of his grace in that time. But if we're not working out the functions of the soul, if we're not working that out and we're calling it out to everybody we know, what happens? The counterfeit comes, the counterfeit comes, the counterfeit comes. And the sole purpose is to not get us to receive a promise. That's all Jesus has to, uh, not Jesus, that's all Satan has to do. Sit around, 
his little demons staring over you, waiting for you to come into agreement with them. And agreement with them, <laughs> agreement with them is when you don't call on him first. You can think you've called on him, but he says, come boldly to my throne of grace to obtain mercy. So that means when we come and we fall, it cannot be false humility. We've talked about that already before. I mean, I, I've, you know, there's an element that we've all tried that. Let me just catch it before the pass. Let me just get into, hear me, hear me, hear me, right? But then when we keep failing the test, these little tests, little tests that you don't even know that's happening, little tests. And then, you know what I mean? We think we're catching it before we get the hit. You know what I mean? But we're going to have these little tests. And if we keep failing those little tests, then you could, what? You end up failing the exam. You know what I mean? But he sets it where you have to start back over again. He says, I can't take you to the next until you've obtained this. Because this is what you need to be changed to go to your next level. My levels are different than your levels. Isn't that crazy? Something I have to get over is not the same thing that Mamie has to get over or what Kim or Kenrick. Our levels, each one of those levels, think about this. And you can try to remember this when you guys are all old, you know what I mean? And you know it's going to be your time and you're holding on to your little card, journey of faith card. Well, how has my journey been? Well, here I got over this shame. Here I got over this unforgiveness. Here I got over this bitterness. Whatever it is, you're going to look at your own little card because we're all going to make it long. You know what I mean? Because we want to do what, if we are in his will, then he's going to protect us until we complete our job. You know, and I believe that if, if we love him, there's a verse that says that he wants to give us what? Long life. He wants to give us long life. If he knows that we are in it for him and he sees that we're being productive for us, there's no reason for him to take our life unless our life was whatever the assignment was. You know what I mean? And we can't judge anybody's life. But when we go back and look and we see where we are on the journey of faith, you can really think, oh, yep, I lost bitterness there. Yep, I lost anger here. Yep, I lost rejection here. You can know what you did. This verse reminds us that Jesus Christ might show for and display all his perfect long suffering and patience for an example to encourage those who would thereafter believe on him for eternal life. So for eternal life. So isn't that awesome? So he did this. He set this up first off to secure that everybody knows that they're going, they're ne they never die. They're going for what? Eternal life. You know, think about this. I'm going to give you another level to really think about this. You'll love this, Todd. Think about eternal life and our existence now. Our eternal life, it's constantly, it's eternal. It's death, burial, and what always happens? Resurrection. If you go death and burial, you can always guarantee what's going to happen. Resurrection. He gives it to us from transitioning from the earthly to the spiritual. But now I want you to think about eternally that system is set. Eternally, it doesn't ever change, whether you're on earth or you're in heaven. Do you get it? Eternally means something keeps what? Going and going. It's eternal. It's, it's not going to stop. He sent his son to set that in motion. And now that can never be broken. That rotation is eternal. It's always going to be. Now, when we, when we don't have our, our earthly life, you know, our physical body dies and our spirit and soul floats right up to heaven, that's the goal, right? Not just your spirit. Our spirit will automatically go back, but we want what? The soul to go. We want the soul to go with it. 
All right, so we want them to go up together. And when our body is done, we, st- we do. We will, be in etern- we will experience eternal life. It'll be a place of peace, a place of joy. Everything that you don't have is going to be redeemed. It says hope in that final outcome. But don't miss out on the eternal rotations he's already planned for us here on this earth now as we bring people. It's all about bringing people, but bringing as he shows you. And how does he show you things? You got to worship him. You got to be in his word. You got to know that. What do you want to say, Kenrick? Something happened. This is... I'll be bold. Uh-huh. Well, something happened last night. Uh huh. And um, someone said something. And on the inside of me, I got real uneasy yeah. about what they said. Yeah. So I ran to the bathroom. I was like, God, I know, I know it's not a spirit of fear. Yeah. But I'm not understanding what just took place. Uh, was it in the ministry? No, it was at home. Oh, at home. Yeah. Oh, well, I think that sometimes when you, okay, if you feel a piercing in your spirit, you know it means conviction. You know when you don't feel good about something. You know when you're about to do something and you're battling well, I, it. I didn't say anything. Somebody said something about a situation. Right. And then so, I was like. So it didn't hit what? your spirit right. And, and I'm you, trying to make sure that I'm not judging. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It's not me, my emotions, my judging or anything. So I was in the bathroom, and I was in the bathroom about probably about 10 minutes. I was like, God, you have got to settle me on this. This is how I have no peace about this situation at all. Well, well, I finally settled. <laughs> right. I Okay, in the world, sometimes we can see things we don't like. But you have to ask yourself, is it your responsibility to address it or not? So this happened with another person, right? You may not have liked it and you didn't like the situation, but then you had to establish what your, what was your place in it. And then there's peace when you know, okay, my place was just to maybe walk out and go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? Because we're not called to save anybody. We're called to, we're called to encourage one another in the ways of Christ. You know what I mean? Bring them in, but I can't save Mamie. I can't save, I can't save anybody in here. He is the Savior. We are planters or waterers. And at that time, if you knew you weren't able to plant and you weren't supposed to water, then sometimes we're just not supposed to do what? You're not supposed to say anything at all. But that doesn't mean you don't feel grieved about it. There's things that we feel grieved. And you know why we tend to feel grieved about things with people like that? Is because we want them so bad to get what you have. You want them to understand, don't you? Did you feel... But see, that means you already, that means you weren't passing judgment, but you already gave him a validity of value. You already gave him a value because he was what? A minister. And so you already assume that he's going to understand and know things. And then we get let down. Like we think they should know better. But then that's what I've learned that it doesn't make a difference what you are. It doesn't, I really have learned that it doesn't make a difference what degree you have, what, you know what I mean? But the most important thing that matters is what relationship do you have with the Lord? And that will always be at value. We can, our word that we need to use is, you're right, not judgment, discernment. Discernment is hearing. And then you know what they don't know. Do you know what I mean? But then God could use you to help them, but without argument. See, if it turns, that's where you walk, you're not going to get into an argument with somebody, you know, on that. So that's not, that's not what he's called us to, to do that. Thank you. 
So that's cool. So just remember, it's okay to have that little bit of grieving. I, we experience that in here. When new people come in and they could just get saved and everything, but you could feel the things that are manifesting, but he tells you to cut it off. That means don't feed that spirit. Do you know what I mean? Just say what your spirit's saying and move on. I mean, that is the most amazing thing in the body is we really have to learn not to be man pleasers. We just have to be, we just have, it says we are to live in the world, but we are to love one another. So you have to, that's where it really helped me get over any type of unforgiveness. I am, I am being dead serious, dead serious, right? I'm being dead serious. I'm just being kidding. That's just cute. But because when I recognize that everybody is a vessel for God and when they're a vessel, then that means there's two influences happening in them. If they're saved, then they have the ability to hear the voice of the spirit, Holy Spirit. If they're not saved, I do believe that there are people who are not saved that they still connect and know that there's a God. You know what I'm saying? God has their appointment. There isn't anybody born in our dispensation that God doesn't have an appointed time for them to reach out to them, to expose them. But then there's a time they're really going to hear and really accept him in their heart. And then boom, that's when you breathe that new breath of life and he's got something and you just become so aware of God. So, but discernment of hearing what they're saying and then knowing how the Holy Spirit wants you to react is so important to that. And I feel like I was going on another point and I missed it. I feel like I was going on something else. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I'm trying to help you the best I know. Oh, that's where I was, on the vessel. You, right, the value, the validity of the value you had for him. You already had him at, he should understand this. Well, no, not really. No? Okay. What she said. Mm-hmm. Did you feel it in here, or did you feel it in here? Yeah, so you felt it in your spirit. Yeah. Oh, and it was strong. Well, so the Lord was maybe showing you something that. No, but even our feelings on the inside are telling us something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it might, you know, I mean, that's where you have to submit everything, captivate every thought, even our feelings inside our spirit. You can captivate that and say, hey, what's going on? I've had it many times, you know, things will, and I don't like what's happening, but that I ask the Holy Spirit and I'll either get an answer. Sometimes I don't get an answer. How many times we don't get an answer and we're like, answer me, right? <laughs> I want an answer. Well, maybe because you didn't want to react badly. You know what I mean? Or you didn't want to have a reaction. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe because you were discerning something for her, that person. You probably were discerning something for that person. But then you had to still submit it to the Holy Spirit. That's going out of the room. What do you want me to do? And sometimes he's not going to have you do anything. I have had, and this is where we learn as we grow in maturity. And I'm not even fully mature. That's why I joke. I say this so cute. I'm not released from this place yet, you know. Meaning I recognize that maturity has to do with just time, experience. And we talked about this with Chris this morning. This is not a microwave ministry. You are not going to take the TV dinner, see all the cool little meat, the potatoes, the French fries, everything. Take that plastic off and zap it in seconds, and you're going to have a real meat and potatoes meal. No, it's more like rubber. The potatoes taste like water. The French fries, it's just not, it's not real, right? The, the, it's, 
The corn doesn't even look fresh, right? Okay, I want you to think about this. People, we believe that we are in a time of acceleration. Okay, because another measure of understanding God's heart is opening up, and that's through the glory of worship. And, that, and people are learning what true worship is. That's what's happening in this. So it will expediate people's motions, but it's still not microwave fast because it's still a process. So nobody gets from their first position down to their bottom like a microwave zap. Do you know what I mean? Which is what we all would love to have. Just zap me so I don't have to feel this. Zap me. So, I mean, I think when we come up for prayer half the time, you know, when you look in the churches, you know, they're just looking for something. You know what I mean? And they just, they, they hope that whatever they felt when they came up is gone when they go out. But the time of the church age, and we can get, I mean, I can get on a long thing because the Lord has really showed me how to respect the church age. Because, you know, when you come in, remember, I went from dead church to this. So all this other church and the spirit stuff, like, you know what I mean? I'm not used to any of that. But here's the thing. What I definitely think is I have to respect the church has a purpose. When Solomon built the temple, remember, David wasn't called to build the temple, but David was a what? David was a worshiper. Okay. David worshiped and worshiped. And God said to him, you will not build the temple. Okay. But your son will. So his son built the temple, the first real temple, right, in Jerusalem. And so before it was always in a what? A tent. It was always in a tent. But when he built it and he gave the dedication, if you ever read that really slowly, I'm going to be doing a teaching on it. It tells you everything the temple was called, but it didn't talk about the presence of God. Did not talk about the presence. It talked about God. When they come to the temple, let them know that you are here. And that they will, that you will hear them. And when you go through and he goes, when they have a problem with the neighbor and they come in and they pray to you, let them hear, hear them. Let them know that you are here. Okay. But this is what's interesting. When they move the covenant of the ark to put into the real physical now temple, do you know it was missing two items? It was missing the jar of manna. And it was missing the rod of Aaron. The jar of manna is the revelation of the word, which we've already taught. When the covenant traveled tent to tent, wherever they took it, and they created the holy of holy, the place, the holy place, and then you had to enter into the holy place. Well, the only thing in the holy place was the ark. Inside the ark was the jar of manna, the rod, and the Ten Commandments. When Solomon built the temple, I just got this revelation last week. When he built the temple, he said, the temple represents a church age because where do people go to find God? In a building. Okay, so he built this building. But it says when they dedicate and they move the ark in the part that was called the Holy of Holies, they said, and it was missing, the jar of manna and the rod of Aaron. Wow. Well, the rod of Aaron is the word commanded to you to what? Speak. Okay, so, but yet they had the Ten Commandments in there. So do you see how the building became already an incomplete structure, but decorated with all that beautiful gold? And even when Solomon dedicated it, he said, now, Father, respect my father, David, because I have done what you asked me to do. God still asked Solomon to build that temple. He already asked him to do it. So and then when he gave the dedication, he gave out and that dedication, you can break it down. Everything that he asked for people to receive if they come into the temple. Well, the temple represents the churches. 
So there are churches with lots of people and members and everything like that. And you know what? When you read through this list, that's exactly what people get in the church. But it's one of those stages. Remember in Thessalonians, everybody's going to be born into an understanding of God. Mine was Episcopalian. Yours might have been Baptist. You're all, it became denominational. See, God knew that was going to happen. So when you go back and look how the very first physical temple aligned in gold, la, right? You know, you're going to read what the purpose was. And it says anybody who would be lonely out there. And if they knew that that temple was a place where God could hear them because they didn't know that God could hear you within yourself. He said, they'll be drawn to that and I will meet them there. Now, isn't that amazing how, so think about it before you ever came to the realization that the Holy Spirit's in you, you would think that you would want to walk into a church and a church is what? Holy. And you would want to sit in that pew, do it all perfect, do whatever, do what everybody else is doing. And you think God is seeing me. You know what I mean? And here's the thing. God is seeing you. He already says in the dedication of the real temple, I will still see them all. So you know how important all these churches are? These are awesome churches because God still hears them. Now, remember, prayer gets their what? Ear. But most of these churches, they don't teach the true worship and bringing in the presence because that presence can only come with a renewed mind. The presence can't come before renewed mind, you get on and off feelings, on and off feelings. But then as the mind's getting renewed, you are the construction. Okay. Remember we get fat and then we get tall. Then all of a sudden you're stretching up and bringing out what's in. And I call it a vineyard because that's what they call it in songs of Solomon. He said, we are going to create a garden. We're going to buy a piece of land, right? You're buying your spot. There's a spot already called for you in heaven. And you, when you worship, you are cultivating your land up there. And that meant when it's your time for receive, he just drops that down to you. And you're already receiving an inheritance that's in heaven and you're bringing it to earth. It is so awesome. So this is where I actually got a new respect for church, the church age. You know, because I would always hear church age dying, kingdom age rising. It's the revelation of the true kingdom age, how worship brings the, um, the life not just eternal life, but what? Abundant life. And that's one thing. God doesn't want, that's when you hear it. God doesn't want us broke, busted, and disgusted. He doesn't want us sad. See, the devil wants to get our minds off of whatever our next move is. And how does he do that? He can only do it through an unrenewed mind. So that mind gets tested continually. Gene just said it to me. Testing happens, testing happens continually for him. Testing happens continually for all of us. We're all in continually testing because we're all somewhere. Because not everybody, I don't know, I haven't met anybody that's received all the promises yet. So, I mean, it's kind of cool. But the Lord showed me this, Exodus 3.14, if you can put this up. And you know what? Our power choice is what really gets us. When we talked last time, our words, our words are either going to speak what? Faith or our words are going to be fear. I like it. Mamie today when she came in, she was having an oppression day because we're going to experience what? Oppression. But I'm so proud of Mamie. She didn't let it win. She actually said, we're going to worship three songs here. Go get these. And she started, you could hear it on the other end of the building. And then you hear Charlena. They decided to what? Break it. And didn't you feel better? You have to feel better because when you exalt God and you worship him, he's going to break off whatever that oppression is. Because if we stay in it, 
then the oppression starts to get to us, you know? So our words are either going to be faith or fear, and it's going to do and set out. We either hit the mark or we miss the mark. But he already tells us, that's what I like, the season of trial. I like this. The season of trial is when you actually can make a mistake. But what are we working on? Mercy. That's why I started off with 1 Timothy 1.16. Once we call up to mercy, look at this. Your season of trial transforms right into your what? Grace. It moves. It changes back into this dot. You have now entered back in to the awareness of grace. We can mess it up. And we can still cross over. See the crossover? The crossover is so important because we actually, but it's not until you realize you've You've gotten to where you've gotten, right? That's where mercy has to come from the heart. Mercy has to come from that heart. And you know what we do? The enemy gets us to numb ourselves. Hey, I got the process. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to do it. But you know what? No, there's always going to be something he has called you to do, whether it's spend time in your word, whether it's press in and worship more. As I was, I was talking to Jean, I'm, in a, I'm entering into a time. I've got to worship more. I got to press in. I worship every day. But I got to press into another level of worship for my next move of season. I'm going to have to sow into the spirit because if I don't, I'm going to feel what more? The oppression. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you're in the same. We're, everybody's in a dial move wherever they are. They're moving along this path. But if and we, can, we can sit and get so fat on the word, but the word doesn't start to explode until you what? get up into that third heaven and he starts explaining it to you more. And so that's what I've experienced. Like, I really feel like I've really tapped out. I've, I've gotten a lot of word when I broke my ankle. I had three months of intense press worship. And then the word flow that I've received, I mean, it's amazing. I haven't gotten it all out, but I've gotten a lot out. But I've also gotten a lot more, but now I'm getting what? I'm getting fat again. I got to come back up. Does that make sense? I was telling it to Gene just now over there. I said, Gene, I feel fat. You know what I mean? And it's not a physical fat. It's a spiritual, I feel like I get the rotation now and I get it, but yet I feel emotional. And when you feel emotional, that means it's time to what? Press into the next level. How many people have felt the emotion? Right. Because wherever you're at, it's time to now press into another level. And you, as long as you're reading that word, if you are reading the word day and night and you are still feeling emotion, do you know what I mean? That means you've already been given what you need. Now you've got to go up to the vineyard and you have to pull out what hit the understanding he wants you to have so you can be prepared to receive the promise because in that when you receive the promise it's not going to go it doesn't become sour fruit it doesn't go bad it's actually fruit that remains and it's also fruit that what supersedes time grace carries us and super time now moves it's not I start, microwave myself to the end, okay? It's actually a burst, and it supersedes time. When you've gotten to that part of grace where you're settled, and he's carrying you, pum, things just start happening. And we've seen that in this ministry. People, when things, I mean, I felt like some of my harvest for last year had to do with Rachel receiving her car, receiving her horse, you know what I mean? Like her receiving is part of the grace the Lord bestows on me. Because I love everything I have. I'm happy. I, I, there is a contentment that you do get with him. But yet, who knows, when you, as you develop further, most of your sowing is not just for you. Now it's sowing for others. 
And I know part of my push-up is not just for me. It's for the what? The ministry. It's for the business. And that's what I'm feeling. There's more people. When you have more people, what's that require? More pressing in. Because he's, the people who are further along, they're pressing in for the people behind them. You're all, you, every measure of your growth is pressing for another. For yourself and for another. I want, Remember we talked about that. Yes, you still are pressing in for another. Once you get saved... You are pressing in for another. I don't know anybody who doesn't get saved and say, I just wish that person was saved. Up, ah, right there. When you call that out, that's your next assignment. And I love it. Grace will carry that person through that assignment. And I like it. Even when we mess up, I like it. The tape, fleshly friction. <laughs> that's a good one to listen here. When you recognize that you broke, you sewed into the wrong, man, now there's going to be freshly, fleshly friction. Until you call upon his mercy. And when mercy helps in need. Remember, come boldly to the throne, you know, of grace. And for what? You are to ask for what? Mercy in a time of need. So mercy comes when you just know you messed it up, you can't handle it, and you just... Man, sometimes mercy feels really good. I mean, I think about it, and mercy does feel really good. I mean, I just think of the times I've really screwed up. And I'm laying in bed in that fetal position and just saying, I really messed this up. I do not know what to do. And then all of a sudden, you feel the crossover. I don't care. You feel the crossover. You feel something shift, boom, and now just hold on because he's about to take you to the promise. But then when you get to the promise, this is what I noticed Satan does. You receive a measure of your promise, and then he comes in, and what does he want to do? Right. He wants to actually, he can't steal what you've already received. But now you have to go through the rotation what? Again. So he wants you to get tired of that. He wants to get us. It says, don't get weary in doing good. Because if you're doing good in what he's showing you, it's between now and the time your body, you know, goes to sleep. And then your soul and spirit goes, ascends back up to heaven. You, ha- you can't get weary. And I know because you feel the weariness. I feel the weariness times. There isn't anybody. If they don't feel the uh, they're that we're, we are going to go through that. And so I love it because when you cry out to mercy, he crosses you over, you know, and you have to ask yourself, what's going on in your life? What things do you mean? Every time a harvest comes, so do the weeds. The weeds come up first. And in your mercy is when he bundles them up, burns them, and then you receive. So he's always ready, but he tells you not to touch them. Do you know what I mean? What does it mean not to touch Yep, there's a story in Matthew where it says, you scattered seeds that are good, and then in the, in the night, the enemy comes and scattered seeds over your good seeds. So now when it's time for you to receive your promise, your harvest, all this good grain is growing, everything's coming up, but then all of a sudden, weeds are coming up and weeds are choking it, right? They call them tares, um, and they would start to choke it. And then finally, somebody would say, hey, the weeds are coming up. Should I go pull the weeds out? Or shall I let them grow? And they said, do not touch the weeds. Let them grow with the harvest. And then the master will bundle them up and he will burn them. Okay, burning is the consuming fire of God, taking out what's not in us that we shouldn't have. And it's a consuming fire. And he burns it up, but then we still get the what? We still get the harvest. That's the crazy. We in the world, you think, oh, if I got weeds and I have to be what? punished, I don't get the harvest, right? 
That's exactly what we think. Hey, if you don't do the assignment, you don't get the gold star. You don't do the assignment, you don't get the extra 10 minutes at recess. You don't do the assignment, you don't get the cookie. You know what I mean? That is how it works. That's not grace. That is truly working out unconditional. I receive, I do. And the only thing God wants us to be, he is going to conditionally love us. And there's always a harvest to give us. The only thing asks us is to be obedient in our growth with him. Be obedient in our relationship to him. And he's going to work all this other stuff out. He works it all out to what we think is better. We already, we are such planners. That's what's hard with an emerald. Emeralds want to plan, 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 plan. Rachel, plan, plan, plan. Man, she, I drive her crazy because I will not, I don't get into the plan anymore. I get into writing down my deep goals that I feel within myself. And those goals may not be superstar goals, but they're goals that I, I feel. And God always does better than that when they're truly from the heart of Christ. So he wants, the enemy wants us to get what? All puffed up, all lifted up to be what? disappointed. And then when we do receive, he wants us to be disappointed because we got to go through this again. You know, we have to go through, but it's always a different reason, same cycle. And so it is beautiful that we actually can cross over once we cry out for mercy. And remember, the reason for mercy is so Jesus Christ can display what he died for us for, which is for us to, we, he wants us to receive the promise. He wants us to get through that. So now I'm going to ask you where you're at. Being transformed through suffering, I'm going to ask you where you're at now. And I'm kind of going to pause off this a little bit. And I'm going to go on this. Exodus 3.14 says, And God said to Moses, I am who, what? I am. And what I am, I will be what I will be. And he said, You shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Okay, now, isn't that a beautiful sentence? Because he is making sure we know he is I am. We're not I am. Do you know what I mean? We are, he is the great I am. He says, I am who I am. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. And he said, you shall say that I am has sent me to you. So that's when you walk into the true understanding, you start knowing who the true I am. And and is that's not you. That's him in you, you in him, and you're going to know who he is. You know, in Joshua, the Lord showed me this awesome scripture. And it says, um, it says that uh, two of the, the sons of the tribes, Reuben and Gad, you know, Reuben and Gad. Well, Joshua was dividing things. And he was talking to Reuben and and he said to them, come to the altar of witness, capital W, come to the altar. I've always prayed to God. You got to help me understand this altar call thing. We didn't do that in the Episcopal church, right? I don't really get the altar call thing all the time. I mean, I know when it's, you're supposed to pray for somebody and Jean asked me to pray and that's all good. But this whole, you know, rotational witness thing I never got until I just got it. I have prayed about it. You need to show me the verse of what is the altar call. Well, in Joshua, it says, come to the, he's telling the two tribes, come to the altar of witness, capital W. And, and there you, you will meet and know that the Lord is God. Now think about it. When Gene calls prayer up here and you know, you're supposed to come up. Why? Because I am is in you. And if I am is in you and I am is up here, 
then there's going to be a time you know you have to come to the altar of what? Witness. Witness, we move by what? Witness. So not everybody's supposed to come out and get prayed for unless the leader asks everybody or whatever. But there's a witness. Boom. The first witness is always your spirit. When you walk towards that, it says, you will know that the Lord is God. And that's when the Lord showed me. That's what I mean by my altar call. His altar call, it's got to, there's a call on whatever the word is. And if it witnesses to you at the seat, come on up, because guess what's going to happen? You're going to meet him and you're going to know the Lord is God and I will be what I will be. And I am, I am, I am has sent me to you. Isn't that awesome? I am has sent me. Who is me? Lowercase. That means there's going to be leaders in the body of Christ that he's, they have I am in them. You have I am in them. And if it's meant for you to come up, boom, and you're going to know that the Lord is God. You're going to feel a power you've never felt before. You're going to experience a change. How do you know this is an apostolic ministry? I am is here, right? We can, we have cultivated a vineyard in the spirit. I mean, thank God for a leader like Gene Hall, that man his seasons of like intense worship, which you know he's in that because he did a whole year of worshiping a half a day every day and, get, and pressing that in. So he is experiencing another greater. So what? We can experience a love we would have never known. You know what I mean? To pull us in. So there's always going to be leaders in the body to get us where we need to be. So isn't that beautiful? So the first phase that you even understand that the Lord your God is the God that we, you know, that you are, you witness and connect to is because the day you realize he is, I, he is real. He is the I am. Go to John 6.35. John said, now we're elevating. The first thing we got to realize is God is God. God is who he is. God is going to do what he wants to do. It's his plan. It's in motion. He knows our time of receiving. He knows we're going to speak the words of life or death. He knows when our mercy is real, he is God. He tells us in John 6, 3, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be what? Hungry. And he who believes in and what? Cleaves to and trust in and relies on me will never thirst anymore at any time. At any time. Now here, I love this. Who is dried up on the vine, right? We're not to be dried up on the vine. If we're dried up on the vine, we're not in the word. If we're dried up on the vine, you're not worshiping. You are not, you are losing that connection with him. And everybody in here knows what it feels like because we have our days, we're tired. Think about the days you're tired and you don't even open the word or you don't worship. Whoo! if our spirit isn't built up, if we're not at a further level, that can be a really, when we're in the first stage, that's a very attacking time. You felt it. You know it. And you're like, oh. And that's why it's like, there are times I had to, in the beginning, I had to be like, I am not doing anything. I'm not leaving this house. I don't care if I'm late for whatever until I open that word. I do not go to bed at night until I what? Open that word. And when I have times where I'm not, I remember going through the phase like, hey, reading the Bible's cool in the beginning. And then I was just like, Gene was telling me I need to worship. I was like, okay, I can listen to some music, you know? But I was like, it's easier to read the word. 
Okay, then I started getting into the worship. And then I kind of was like, oh, I don't need to read the word right now. Let me just get into this worship. And then you're in worship, you're in worship. And then it, and then it became where it balanced for me. Now it starts the two in one. You know what I mean? And see, that's what we worry about when people are growing. You get those, you know somebody who's so into the word, they want to argue it with you all the time. You know what I mean? Because they're wanting to show what they know, you know? And then you know people who have too much spirit because they're tapping into some other spirits and they're rejecting the word. So you know that's something else that's working because they're not, you don't feel the revelation of the word. See, the spirit and the word, you know, I love it. It says the spirit says what? Come. But if it has the word, it's going to change the atmosphere because the spirit and the word have to work to, it has to be balanced. Like I said, we get fat, we grow up, we fat, we grow up, we keep on that. But the second elevation level of Jesus truly is, we recognize he is the bread of life. So I can know God exists, but do I know Jesus is the true bread of life? Do I really know that I must go to him? And I truly, if I go to him in the word, or if I go him into my prayer, then I'm not going to be disappointed because I know he's going to feed me whatever word I need to hear. I'm going to hear for his name. But the first level is you have to know his word. That's what the bread is, knowing that it is his word. So a beginner, what's the first thing they do? They have to open up the what? Word. Go to John um, 8, 12. Here's the next level. So now you have your person that knows that God is real. Then you get the person that knows, I got to read the word. Now here's the next level that you know where you're at. You guys can know where you're at. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. You get the person that's reading the word. And they are not following him because they believe that reading the bread of life is following him. But now you know you're in the next elevation of Jesus when you are now saying, I give up. I'm going to follow you. How do you know you're following him? The word becomes light to you. That means it starts opening up. I believe this is a time a person really truly gets filled with the Holy Spirit because there is something the regenerated spirit is what? full of light. That means what you're reading starts to manifest something in you. It starts to change something. You are truly gotten hit by the Holy Spirit. All right. So you get it in that awesome. But if we clean, no, he who follows me will not be walking in the dark. So once you start having these revelations, you're not going to be walking in the dark, but he's going to expose that darkness. And that's where you know you're in the next level. Is the darkness within you being exposed? Next verse. That's where people come here. That's where the Lord gave me last year. John 10, 9. The Lord gave me this last year for, the, for, for leadership. It wasn't so much the baby in Christ or the lost person. Last year, leaders were to be exposed. There was going to be an exposure of the light because there's a lot of leaders who haven't done this. Jesus Jesus and the Lord, the Lord and God, one. I am the door. Anyone who enters in through me, Jesus, will be saved and will live. He will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. Man, what that means is 
When you're ready to cross the doorway of change, that means your darkness is being exposed because what? You've already gotten to the phase of what? Light is coming near you. And you are deciding to follow him. Now you have to lay off every weight. And now you have to enter through a narrow place. And, and it is tight. And he, but he's going to save a part of your soul. I say a part. Because you have to go through several doors. Okay? So whatever part really needs to be weighed off of you. Okay? That's going to get weighed off of you at this time. And that you know what elevation? Have you been through the door once? Yes, everybody in here has been through the door at least once because you've had to weigh off something. To, and how do you know? You've been through the door. You've experienced death, burial, and a resurrection. That's how you know you've been through the door. If you, anything else before, if it wasn't really God, your resurrections were your own doing, not of God. Okay, and how you know you've resurrected? That feeling never comes back. That whatever the insecurity is, whether it's whether it's uh, rebellion, whether it's sex for approval, whether it's masking, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, whether whatever it is, lust to control, you actually that never comes back. You know you've been delivered. That doesn't happen. Your body can still feel it coming on, like you might want to do it, but then you're like, I don't really want to do that. I do it all the time. I go run to Gene. I start telling him something about me, <gasps> and then I'm like, Why am I saying that? I really don't feel that way. You know what I mean? But I think I should be. You know what I mean? Because we're kind of, we go through that. But when we start speaking it out, and then we realize, I don't really feel that way. And then you start laughing at yourself. That's what worship does. Pressing into worship really puts you through the rotation of realizing, is this real? Like Mamie. Mamie's gone through so much deliverance. She's in her healing phase. Okay, so she's in a, like I tell her all the time, one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. She went through her first real serious doorway of change. But now she's on the other side, okay? And now she's got to learn how to live in that side. But she's safe. She's protected. And I love it. Today she chose to do one of the first steps when you feel oppression because she's still going to feel oppression on the other side. She says, I'm going to do what? Worship. And now she'll know what's real and what's not real. It wasn't real. Why? It lifted. So that's how you knew it wasn't really. It wasn't in her. It was on her. It wasn't in her, but she's starting to feel it's in me. But the moment she worshiped, it lifted off of her because worship does that. That's what the purpose. That's why he says, worship me in spirit and in truth. And you'll know the truth after you're done worshiping because that doesn't bother you anymore. It's not going to bother you. So I love this. Mamie, you already know you've got to the door. Now we know here's the next phase. So it was one, two, three, four. That was four. Here's the fifth phase. John 14, six. This is all in order in John. That's what's so beautiful about this book. Now he tells us, Jesus now said to them, now you've gotten through my doorway, right? I am, see, God is in this every time because we always hear what? I am, I am the way. I am the what? Truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now get this. When we're at the door, remember it says you can go in and out freely. You can go in and out of pasture. Okay, I like this. I'm like using my little lamb, Mamie. You know what I mean? I got to get a picture with the little curlers. All right. Mamie's in with the flock, but then there's times that Mamie will go out. Oppression will hit her, but she can go in and out. All she has to do is what? Worship him. And she gets herself right back in there. Do you know what I mean? You get yourself right back in position. We do go in and we go 
out. We go in and we go out of these feelings. As we're going through the doorway of change, you go in like, today's great. This is awesome. I am free. Next day, oh, I'm not that free anymore. Why am I not that free, right? I'm not feeling free, okay? But I'm on the other side of the door. All right, so then what do you do? You got to say the name of Jesus. You got to worship. You got to do something to find out where you're really at. Because you can't know where you're really at without, without worshiping him and seeing that word start to manifest in you. Now, how do you know the word is working? Because now I am is the way. You don't know any other way. This is the only way to figure it out. You got to worship him. How do you know it's truth? He says, I am the way and the what? Truth. She starts worshiping Jesus. Now she's going to know where am I at? Today I loved it. She realized I wasn't really there. You know what I mean? Because why? It lifted after three songs. And she was up here. And we already had worship in the morning. But she, it was a worship. She pressed in. She chose that worship. I'm so proud of you, Mamie. Don't you get this? Are you connecting with it? And so it's awesome. And then it says, and he is the life. She had life the rest of the day. You know what I mean? She was happy because life is resurrection. We have to teach about the resurrection. I liked it when Paul entered in to the places in Acts. And he always went in the synagogue and he always says, hey, I'm going to teach you about Jesus and the resurrection. If they're not, if they're just teaching Jesus and no resurrection, then that means there is no jar of manna and there is no rod of, there is no rod of Aaron happening. I say that cute. That means the church isn't teaching the resurrection. They're only teaching a resurrection after you're dead and buried in real life. They don't know the other resurrection because it was never called on the temple. The temple never had the man and never had the rod. Do you guys get this? It wasn't their dispensational purpose. So praise God for all these churches because that's what a lost person still will go to a church. But guess what? In this time and age, the church is looking so messed up that they don't care if they can hear God there. They're finding now God in the what? marketplace because that's where we're generating up the true manna the revelation the word is being spoken do you know what i mean because people are giving up on the, the that church age so believe it or not why is it dying because it never had manna it never had the revelation of the word and you can't have a command without going up to the heavenlies and pulling it down we can confess all day, which is good because that's helping us memorize the word, learn the word, grow in the word. But if you're not getting up there to bring it down and call it out, that's the power that the church doesn't have. That's the power of the apostolic dispensation that's happening now. Leaders are learning this so that they can go out to the church and open it up to show him this is what the church isn't doing. They're not living in the way. They're not living in the truth. They're not living in his true fullness of abundant life. Isn't this beautiful? I mean, it's the order. So when I ask ourselves, where are we here? Everybody in this church should either be at the door and should be in the way, the truth, and life. And now, how do you want to know how you're matured? Here's the last elevation. This is when you know, you know you've hit levels of maturity. John 15, 1 through 8. It's so beautiful. You know that Jesus, that the great I am, is, it's a journey. You know he is the creator, the sustainer, and the savior. And this is when you know he is the Lord of your life. It says, I am the what? 
I am the true vine. That means you know there is no other vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Because after you get through the door, he's bringing you to the father. The only way to cry to mercy is when you've gone, when you are at that doorway of change and you cry up for mercy and Jesus intercedes for you and takes you right into the what? The father. Okay, but now when you know you're mature, you know that I am, that is the Lord God that is the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. That means he's the giver of the promise. How do you know you are in maturity? And what I'm saying is there's measures of maturity. How do you know you've grown to measure maturity? You have received a promise from the Father God through his son, Jesus Christ, because you recognize that he's, so any branch in me, any branch, I'm a branch. Every single one of us, the moment we got saved, you can hear yourself forming into a branch, right? But it says any branch in me that does not bear fruit. Okay. So we're all branches. Some of us, guess what? This is a branch that does not bear fruit. Okay. And he says, any bear, any that does not bear fruit that stops bearing. See, there's a time when you have put your seed in the law of sin and death, you have a chance to cry out for mercy and change. But the one who doesn't cry out mercy, we talked about this. There is a root of bitterness in their heart and they can't move. And I'm going to tell you something. What is he going to do? He's going to, he cuts. He cuts away, trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit. So here's what's awesome. I love this. Every year I bear some fruit, right? How do you know I have fruit? Because it remains in the people that it has come out to. Because remember, I have to go up to go out. And when it comes out, there are people that have changed in this ministry. I'm bearing fruit. But then he says, what's going to happen? He's got to still do what to me? Cut me down. Right. He still has to prune me. This is where the body of Christ, they see things happening to the people in the body of Christ. And they think, oh, God's against them. God's not against us. If God is for us, nobody can be against us. He truly is pruning you to get the best fruit out of you. But he says, he goes on, he says, so he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every bench that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellence of a fruit. How do you know you have, you have gotten to the full understanding of Christ? Because you know he helps you grow, then he prunes you back. You develop fruit. The fruit goes out like a fruit basket, right? You become a fruit basket for the people. And then what do you have to do? Get cut back so you can grow another level of fruit. The way I speak today is not how I spoke seven years ago. You have had to even see me change. She's been with me since a couple years into this. And I know Kim has had to see there a different fruit exudes out of you. It's a life. How do you know there's life? Because those who are hearing it go back and now they start growing in that. That's where acceleration starts as people are willing to yield wherever they're called to. Go ahead. I'm really blessed right now. Yeah. Of what you're saying. Yeah. Of what you're teaching today. Yeah. Um, 
one of the things that God has really, really been working on me since I've been here mm-hmm. is my confidence of knowing that I uh, hear the, from I hear from Him, right? And that I'm not off. Yeah, I've I've I have struggled with that for so many years, right? And it's due to voices, you know, right? Wild beast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I realize more and more as I get closer to him, that those people back then with those voices, yeah, were no different than me, especially if they're Christian. Yeah. You know, they want to get it right, but they were connecting to some darkness in them yes. at the time. Yes. And they just honestly didn't know. Well, and also we're not able, there's levels we're not able to discern what is of really? God coming to us and what is of the enemy. But then I'm realizing now everything was meant for the appointed time. Yes. All that. I had to go through all that was. That's right. And you so know, that, yeah. it, I'm thinking like, why do I have to go through that? Why, did, why, why couldn't I, yeah. like you just said, discern that then? Why, why, why? Because it was an appointed time. Right. Well, because he shows us in his word that he, he did the, his perfect long suffering, but he's still going to ask us to be transformed in suffering. And the suffering is weighing up. It's just putting out there, dropping off every weight. Hey, I screwed up on this. This you are showing me the truth. Now I'm going to do it your way. And that's when mercy shifts into grace. When we do have experiences of grace every day, we do do things right every day. How many of us do something right every day? Even if it's getting your, if you get your kids to school on time every day, <laughs> Carl, right? They're not going to what? Get in trouble. You're not going to get a notice. There are things that we do every day that we experience grace, but it's the first level of grace. It's following the obedience of the rules of the world. And we do experience, you know, hey, if I get to work on time, I'm not going to get yelled at. You know what I mean? I could get some favor because there's some things that we have to do. Well, God says in his realm, when we come to terms with what we haven't done right, when we accept the pruning, that is his excellence. And he gives grace when we don't deserve and the world doesn't think we deserve it. I like it. When the world doesn't think we deserve it, is when God's grace is in it. And guess what? When the world thinks we're being punished, God is advancing us. See, we it's opposite thinking. Yep. That's how you know, <laughs> that's how you know you're in the vine. It says, "You are cleaned and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you." Don't move yet. Don't move yet. Keep that on that screen. That means if you're in relationship with him, You're already going through your pruning already. Do you know what I mean? There's some things that we get pruned that public doesn't see. You know what I mean? They don't see that all the time. There's a lot of pruning that goes on that he is showing us because of the word which I gave you. Now that word means his command to you. His word, we have his word, but then we have a word that we hear from our inner voice. He says, David heard it once. He heard it what? Twice. And he moved on that. Well, so we have a word that we look at these words all day. I have words written and all this stuff. But it was amazing how 1 Timothy 1.16 came alive to me. Because why? Somebody else, Robin, texted it to me. And as I started meditating on it, it really came alive that we are to, that is the way, is how we walk through the mercy. There's nothing wrong with whatever way you travel. Don't get me wrong. When I first looked at this, I'm like, I'm going to hit Law and peace every time, <laughs> right? Because I'm going to have grace. Well, guess what? That does not exist. I've got to, I mean, I'm not working at this, 
but I don't have to work at it because it's whatever was born in me. That that was, it happened so I can experience why he long suffered for me. It's the reason. So the moment I called up, I shift in, boom. And then I receive this and I get, you know, what my promise is. So keep in, there's times it's like, it's like speed lightning and you experience the promise. And then there's other times, do you know what I mean? I like this, right? You see how the curve is a little bit more and this curve is direct. Once grace happens, that's how fast grace is. It punches you right into the promise. Mercy, we're just taking a little bit of time. Do you know what I mean? Because truly there are people who stay stuck in mercy. They stay stuck in this, in the disobedience. It says it occupies time. You're delayed, but not denied. So there is delays in our receiving of promise because we haven't truly cried up to him in in the mercy that he knows we really mean it. You know what I'm saying? You all know that mercy when he, God knows he knows it's real. That's why the Lord showed me the thing that we have, the, the tough thing with worship. And I think I said this a couple months ago. The Lord had revealed to me false humility is what's in people's worship. And he can't work with false humility. So while you are pressing into false humility, he's working out a circumstance for you to experience his real mercy. All for what? Because you live in the vine. Because the vine dresser wants to add more fruit to you. The fruit is, that's what we experience in the promise. Which is a fertile, secure, stable life in Christ. Yeah, that's... But we, hey, Kenrick, we know that because we know the system. We know it's secure, fertile, and it's the life because you know you're going to be what? Pruned. You know you're going to have a circumstance. You know that you're going to weigh in one of those columns. And he says, the teachings I have discussed with you. If you spend time with him, and I know everybody's experienced this, you've heard somebody talking to you from your spirit in the middle of the night, filling you up with conversation. And you wake up and you might not even remember what he's saying. Have you had that? Okay. That is, that is the Lord God speaking into your spirit what he needs you to have. See, this is what we are so blessed. I could have a couple of days where my worship's weak and I'm reading word. I can still, he, he is still speaking something in me because he doesn't let us go. When we know that we are connected to the vine and that vine, how many times have you ever took a saw? to a vine that's still alive. It's hard to break off, isn't it? It's hard because there's life that bonds the vine. You take a dead, all you have to do is just snap it. Right. Because nothing's being fed into that vine. So there's nothing to happen to it. So think about that. We have some branches that die off us like that because we're a branch with branches. So we have some branches that what? Get cut off. But the ones that are connected to the vine and know who is the vine dresser It cannot be cut. The enemy can come and attack it, but it really can't be sawed off and broke. All right, continue on to the next next four verses. It says, dwell in me. Now he tells us those who are in the vine, they know the system. Dwell in me and I dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. It's the promise. It's going to happen. You can have your weak times and he's calling you to other things. But just keep, keep thinking of yourself connected to the what? 
the vine. That doesn't mean get lazy and don't seek him. You still have to seek him day and night. But just remember, he's doing something even when you feel like you're not bearing any fruit. He says, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in me, being vitally united to the vine. That's what I'm saying. You can't give up on the relationship. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. So there is no fruit. If you are not seeking God day and night, you're not reading the word, you're not worshiping, and you just have, you're not doing anything. Man, you and you are receiving things, you are taping them to your branch. I did a, I, I had Todd several years ago stand like this, and I had string with fruit, and I tied it to Todd. I tied it to Todd, and then I took scissors and I cut it. We can tie and tape. I even taped it to him. We can tape a lie to ourselves. But even I have a sweater, right? So if I put a little heart here and I tape it on here, what's going to happen with my sweater and the tape? It's going to dry up and then my heart's going to fall off my sweater, right? Because I, was, I, I taped it to myself. I pinned it to myself. I tied it to myself. But it wasn't, it didn't really grow out of me from the inside out. So it was a false. We've all done that. How do you know you've done that? It's when you went go to obtain the things God's already shown you that you want, but you weren't willing to wait for him to give it to you. So you went out and made it happen. And that's where, that's what's so incredible. You know what I mean? He wants us to learn to continue to maintain a love relationship with him and watch what he'll do. And when he does give it to you, you feel it's at your weakest. You don't deserve it. You know, you don't feel like you deserve it. So he reminds me, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in he will bear much what? Abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. So let me tell you something. How do you know somebody's not doing anything? They're not getting a revelation. They're walking around depressed all the time. I'm not saying we don't have our moments of up and highs. Do you know what I mean? Because he's working things out of us. But you can see somebody who's in their mundane life going through the passes, going through the thing. Even, I like it, even David. He is connected to the vine. It's a trickle because he still opens that Bible or that, that thing every day. He may not have gotten to where God's ready for him yet, but something's trickling. He just doesn't open up your brain one day. He's already trickling something in your heart. That's what's so amazing. He's always connected. He is the great I am. We are his creatures. We are his creators. He sustains us even in our lie. This is what I love about him. I mean, I don't want to lie, but I love that he loved me in my complete lie. Now I won't do that lie again. But now as I keep growing, another lie is going to come up. Another lie, another lie that I believe is going to come to surface. But when I catch it and I humble myself to it, I'm going to let him do the process he's going to do with me. And then that's how you know you can, we have victory. There is a victory. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out like a broken off ranch and he withers. Next, last verse. Such branches are gathered up. They're thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me and my words remain in you. Now that's what's so important remain in you man if you can spat out a verse like that because you've meditated on it meditated on it meditate and you've experienced it that word will never leave you it says that that word will remain in you 
and that will and continue to live in your hearts. That means you're going to always live by that word. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Now you can ask whatever you will and he is going to do that thing for you. When you bear and produce much fruit, my father is honored and he is glorified and you shall show and prove yourselves to be true what? Followers. Remember, before you go through the door, you're not even a follower. You're recognizing that there's a Bible and there's a word. That's what I did. I knew that there was a bread of life. I can't say I knew that word, but I knew there was a Bible. I knew there was a word, and I always thought scholars jump into that, <laughs> right? That wasn't for me, but now I'm living in the vine. I'm, I am living in the vine. I produce food, fruit. I get my branches cut, and whatever's not of him will get burnt off of me, but I'm not withering away. I'm going to keep producing fruit and I will be humbled and keep growing in that. Just I know I see everybody else do. Do you know what I mean? That's why this is what they say is a safe place. The church doesn't have a full concept of what that is yet. They read that and they don't understand that it's about relationship. They think it's about religious rituals and rules. That's why I was so overwhelmed when I, I kind of started, when I came here growing up in a family that's Episcopalian and Jewish, um, it was very, I really kind of like, there was times I really respected Christianity and then I was like, wow, I really respect Judaism. And then I learned they both have lies. And I just remember being so disappointed when I found out the true menorah was seven and not nine. All I did was grow up with a seven candle menorah. You know what I mean? Knowing that that's what existed in the, in the, in the Jewish faith, but it's not, it's the seven, but there's nothing wrong with the other one. It's just a, it's just a celebration of something. Do you know what I mean? But there's not life behind it. It's just a rotation of lighting those candles at Hanukkah. It's just a rotation to put up a tree at Christmas and decorate it. I think it's funny that we cut it down. There's no life. You know what I mean? We put up a dead tree. We decorate it. I mean, but now there's nothing wrong with it. I decorated a tree this year, and it was the happiest tree in my past seven years I decorated because what I did was when I realized it wasn't real, then I didn't want a tree. Do you know what I mean? When I saw a tree really makes Rachel happy, get a tree, dress the tree. I feel like, you know, like the prodigal child comes, bring out the calf, dress it up, right? It's not going to have me. The tree doesn't have me. But if it, Rachel enjoys it, then I'm happy for her to enjoy it. There is a peaceful thing when you come and you recognize what's the truth and what is the lie. The lie will get burnt off, but then it won't ever bother you again. It doesn't bother me to go to anybody's house that celebrates Christmas. If that's what they want to, but I'm going to tell you, if it's a God to them, it will be what? Brought down. And if anything's a God to us, God will tear it down because he wants us to get everything through the true vine. The true love I have to receive is going to come from God. Do you know what I mean? And then I can experience it with people. That's the icing on the cake. But if I don't get it with God, then I have just stole it. I didn't go through the door. I climbed up over the wall and took it. People do it with the spirit. They do it with the word. They do it with people. They do it with things. They do it with everything. And there's no security in it because it will do what? Be burnt up. It will be burnt up. We want, I, that's why I would always ask God, what's real? What is, what is sincere? What is real? I, I have a problem. I, I always have the problem. What is, what's, what's real? Who is truly sincere? I already figured I would watch. Nobody's really sincere. Do you know what I mean? Come on, have you ever felt like, you know, you don't feel something's real? And then you go, well, what's special? You kind of go into that thinking because when you watch the world, that's how empty the world is. There is no special. Everything in the world's not real. Do you know what I mean? It's false alarm. It's, you know what I mean? 
The enemy works so hard to get us off course. I mean, it's incredible. But God, if you're in him in the vine, he's already got you protected. Just go with the flow of it. Did you have something to say, Carl? No. Did you have something to say? Go ahead. And then what time is it, Carl? And we're going to end it. Yeah. I just have a quick testimony about the scripture. Yes. I came to Kingdom Life last April. Yeah. And I believe it's May, June. Uh-huh. I was in time. I'm learning to worship, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in worship, prayer, word. And I heard him clearly say to me, he said these words, son, do you know why when you ask me for something, you don't get it? I said, no. He said, because you're not in me. Yeah. And he took me to this St. John 15. Yeah. And I was like, wow, God, all these years. But to... To know the truth now. Yeah. It always just blesses me. I'm like, wow. Like you said, the lie. Disconnecting yeah. from the lie. And you know, gee, I got I gotta be honest. Um, I was listening to your message. Well, yeah. not listening to teachings, but I love it. But it's like really exploded in me lately. Yeah. But one thing I was saying just over the past couple of days, um, something happened last January with me. And I said, you know what, God, this is awesome that that manifested out of me. Because then I wouldn't have known the anger and the unforgiveness yes. was in there yes. towards myself. Right. So a situation took place. Yeah. And I was so angry and so mad. I said some things, but the reality was I was unforgiving towards myself that I've been having that for years. Yeah. But if that situation would have never took place and that person wouldn't have never done that, yeah. I wouldn't have never knew that. Yes. You know, so I was just rejoicing. Right. Of what God did in that and even bringing me to this, like being in him. Right. And producing um, that true fruit, like you said, you got to have fruit. And that, and that's what I've been meditating over the last couple of days is fruit, bearing fruit, but real fruit, right. because the fruit has, like you said, has to remain. Has to be remain. And when it remains, that means that word is never going to leave you nor forsake you. He says, I never leave you nor forsake you, but he does it in measure. We leave him before he can come to us because he always shows us what we have to stand on. I love it. When you went back to your Bible and saw that date, you knew what you had to stand on. Although, you know what I mean? You missed it because it was it's still there. But you only missed it because you weren't just in the live vine. And that takes worship and word all the time. Just takes it all the time. And then once you do it all the time, it gets easy. You know what I mean? You get used to it. So praise God. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for teaching us the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, I thank you that we have an awesome vine dresser who always has something to give us. And as we bear fruit in him, we love that he always is there to provide and nurture and give everything of our need, our heart's desires. So Lord, continually search our hearts and our minds. Help us in every any area that you see our weakness, whether it's word, whether it's worship, whether it's fellowship time with you in prayer. Lord, open our hearts to trust in you and to know that you are our true provider, that you are the giver of life and that you do have a way that is higher than ours, that if we just follow into it, that we will just come into your natural fold, Lord. And we thank you for people because God, as we learn that people are harmless and that, that we have the power within you to walk with the power and the dominion to help change people's lives by walking in truth and love. So, Lord, we thank you for the mission of Kingdom Life Ministry and the Apostolic Center. 
and for the changes that are occurring in each and every single one of our lives. Lord, open our hearts and our ears to keep receiving and hearing and growing because in that, in that growing is where we produce the fruit that is worthy of you. So, Lord, we thank you, we honor you, we glorify you, we exalt your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.